The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Central City Chronicle, the unofficial The Flash internet radio show exclusively on poppychuloradio.com. Poppychulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Wednesday, October 26, 2016, and I am your host, Professor X. During tonight's broadcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of The Flash. Later on in the broadcast, get ready for a spoiler alert as we bring you the hit CW series casting scoops, spoilers, and ratings. Please welcome my co-host, Jeffrey Aruz. Podcasters, listeners, I am the podcast master. Ooh. Uh, I'm the host here. And Jess Oops. Christine. Hey, everybody. Okay. <laughs> it sounded like I was really being a jerk about that, didn't it? I was trying for a joke. It didn't work. Anyway, let's jump It worked for me. Season 3, Episode <laughs> 4, titled The New Rogues, which aired on October 25th, 2016. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. We start out three years ago when our dearly departed Captain Cold was still just criminal Leonard Snart. He's having a problem with a couple of small-time crooks, but before he can kill them, he's interrupted by the particle accelerator accident, which temporarily traps one of the crooks in a mirror where he becomes the Mirror Master, a rogue who can jump into and out of any reflective surface. Unfortunately, it takes him like a super convenient three years to figure that out. In the present, Barry's training Jesse in how to use her powers. Harry wants to take Jesse home to Earth 2 and suggest the team find someone who can do his job, some rando Harrison from some parallel Earth. So he basically helps Cisco and Caitlin come up with a multidimensional monster.com ad. Barry and Iris are still dating, but it gets really awkward when Joe walks in and sees his daughter and someone who is effectively his son making out on the couch. I think we can appreciate the awkwardness and no one plays funny awkward quite like Grant Gustin. In another romantic subplot, what is this, a CW show? Oh, Oh, never mind. Sorry. Uh, Jesse and Wally are running all over town, literally. But Wally wants to pump the brakes on their relationship because, after all, Jesse's going to be going back to Earth 2. Thank God the Metas come back to break up the romantic tension. Mirror Master breaks his old partner, the top out of prison. They go on the inevitable crime spree. Barry and Jesse inevitably lose their first encounter as Barry's trapped in a mirror, but set free thanks to a combination of science and Caitlin's rising killer frost powers. Barry and Jesse go back against the Mirror Master in the top for a rematch, and surprise, this time they win. Harrison and Jesse return to Earth 2. The Harrison, H.R., Wells of H Earth 19, arrives to take his place. Barry decides to move out of Joe's house, and Caitlin realizes her Killer Frost powers are getting out of control. Whew, a lot of stuff there. What was everyone's initial reaction to the episode? Jess, let's start with you. I liked it a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun, and... Very, I just, I thought it was great. Um, I know last time I brought up a Flashpoint comparison, and again, this this episode reminded me of a Flashpoint episode two. 
Um, there's an episode where they have this insane criminal couple that's like disgustingly in love. So I was very much reminded of Mirror Master and uh, Rosalind. And it was really, it was fun. It was fun. It was weird, but it was fun. And I like the way that they did the effects, except for like two seconds. Uh, Caitlin's whole Frosty the Snow Bitch thing looked really, really fake, like painfully so. But, but, uh, considering that I can't even make craft dinner, I shouldn't be <laughs> criticizing anyone's special effects. So, no, I really like the episode. I'd give it like a 7.8. And Jeff, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, a uh, asterisk for the listeners because Jess has picked a really bad show to compare the Flash to because know, there's a thing on the Flash. Flashpoint, Flash which is a TV show about what is it, Jess? Uh, a Canadian uh, police unit called the Strategic Response okay. Unit. Okay, Be- because we're on a show called The Flash. And it, this show has a flash point. So it can be very confusing, Jess. When you've said it, I'm like, is she talking about the comics? And then I'm like, oh, no, it's a TV show that's called Flashpoint that has nothing to do with the Flashpoint <laughs> on this TV show. So, yes, no, it just that keeps no one in the United parallel. States has seen. Yeah, yeah Jess? Actually, it was on ION, and it got really good ratings for a Canadian show. I think it's the second highest rated besides Corner Gas. And if you're curious about, like, the different elements of the flash that were present this week and in flashpoint it's from episode 312 i'd do anything in case you want to be a nerd and look it up and then maybe like tell me how wrong i am later that's totally fine i just think it's funny that for a lot of the listeners their heads are probably spinning so we should call jess top for this episode hey nicely played and on that note but wait wait yes Oh, gosh. So, okay. So, as far as the actual episode and nothing to do with the Canadian TV's Flashpoint, um, I thought the episode was fun. I liked the metas of the week. I thought they were interesting. I always like when they bring in a new meta and they give them, like, these really weird powers. And so, these were two metas with really weird powers, which were awesome to see. And I I loved Top's powers. I thought that was, like... Not to compare it to Doctor Strange, but it was kind of Doctor Strangey in the sense that it, it seemed as if, you know, obviously it, it's your it's vertigo and all that kind of stuff. So it seems like everything's moving when it's really not. But I just thought it, it was like a neat effect. It was like a, a cheap version of what we're going to see in Doctor Strange uh, in theater soon. Uh, and as far as all the romantical stuff, I mean, I thought it was cutesy. Uh, it was interesting. Like everyone was like getting their romance on a little bit and a lot of people were getting cock blocked a lot. And I think Wally and Jesse Quick are freaking adorable together. Yeah, I'll make it three for three. I thought this was, I honestly, I think this was probably the strongest episode of the season so far. Um, partially, and we'll get into some of the reasons for that. I think it was focusing more on character and less on trying to tell the bigger overarching story. Uh, I think if you look at what really worked in this episode, it was uh, the established characters playing off each other and establishing themselves and uh, and being the characters who come to know and love. Uh, but we'll get into that. Anyway, so before we get into our thorough recap of the latest episode of The Flash, here's our announcer with a few reminders on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Central City Chronicle. Follow us on Tumblr, the Central City Chronicle.tumblr.com. 
Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through iTunes. Just search for the Central City Chronicle and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. So at the beginning of the episode, Barry finds himself in the unexpected position of mentor. Uh, he's telling uh, Jesse about the importance of not rushing in blindly and teaching her how to use her powers. And he has this moment where he says, oh, my God, I'm Oliver. Flashing back, Joe contended, to uh, when the Flash was being trained by Ollie over on Arrow. What did you guys think about Barry as a teacher and his, what we might call his Ollie moment? Jeff? I thought it was a um, a real moment of growth for Barry. Uh, because, I mean, he really hasn't had the chance to mentor someone else. He's had a lot of mentors, but he hasn't had the chance to be, to have sort of like that mentor-mentee relationship with someone. So I, I thought it was neat to see. I mean, obviously, Jesse had no idea what the hell he was talking about, because she was even like, huh? But uh, it, it was nice to, for him to have that moment where he's sort of like passing down some of the knowledge that uh, he's gained uh, over the past couple of years as the Flash, and, uh, you know, trying to give someone pointers on what to do. And, uh, I mean, obviously, someone who's, you know, just uh, experiencing their powers, they're going to make mistakes. And so uh, he's going to have some moments where he's going to have to correct the mistakes and whatnot. But I, I thought it was a nice moment of growth for Barry. And Jess, what did you think about Barry's uh, callback and his only moment? I loved it. I'm I'm here for more mentor Barry, you know, if they ever get the chance to do that again. I think it's a very fun, different role for him to try out because like you said, he's he always seems to be the perpetual student. So it was nice to see him switch things up a little bit. And also the shirt he was wearing was really nice. I'm just gonna get that out of the way there. Oh my. Well, one of the points we've made, you know, uh, over this season and last is Barry's continual search for a mentor figure because, you know, his father was out of his life uh, for so much of it. And I think it is kind of interesting to see how, you know, someone uh, thrust into that position of being a mentor, if not an actual father, handles it. Also, you know, in terms of the comics, uh, you know, the Barry Allen character was always, you know, uh, you know, one of the, the stronger mentor figures, you know, very much the uh, the older brother or the big brother. Um at least in the Silver Age, uh, Flash and Justice League uh, uh, comics. So yeah, I'm with you guys. I think it would be great if he could take more of that role. And it's something that I know even in the uh, the contemporary Flash comics, they've experimented with having uh, you know Barry uh, sort of be a mentor to a lot of people who are accessing the Speed Force. Uh, speaking of his mentee, it looks like Jesse and Wally are picking up where they left off last season. Uh, what do you guys think about this couple that I'm now officially naming Jelly? Uh, does it feel real? And do you think Wally's really over his envy of Jesse's powers? Because even just a week ago in last week's episode, that was a pretty big problem. Jess, what do you think of Jelly? And use it in a sentence. 
Jelly is my favorite thing! Exclamation point. I don't think you're ready for this jelly. <laughs> um, I have no words. But I will have words at one point. I wish I'd planned that out, but honestly, it just happened. Anyway, moving on. So, Jeff, Oh, I've Professor X, you're so topical. <laughs> Why do you, yeah, I know, it's, a, it's like a 10-year-old song reference. I think a little bit more, but, but we still like it, and Jess is half dead. <laughs> I'm okay! <laughs> oh god, we've broken Jess. Oh god, Halloween came early. So, Jeff, what are your thoughts on... Yes, because Jess was very descriptive. I like it. I like the name Jelly. Although, th what I thought, which I guess doesn't count since I'm overruled because I'm not the moderator, but I, I like Kid Quick, too, because I like the... Oh, that's cute! Thank you. But well, Jelly is good, too. Kid Flash, I'll allow it. Okay, I approve. Because I like an, an alliterative name, and I love the alliteration of that. So anyway, but um, I, I thought they were adorable. Like, uh, I mean, you know, they were cutesy. They were, they, I don't know. I, I mean, they sort of lit up the screen, and they had sort of like this whole type of backs not not backstory, but like they had this storyline last season where it seemed like he was interested in her and she seemed interested in him and obviously she had to go away but like they had like a little teensy tiny little spark and now that she's back you you sort of have seen the spark grow and uh, I don't know I, th I think they're cute together I, I liked their storyline I'm looking forward to seeing what ends up happening to it uh, I don't want to go too deep because I don't know how, how deep into the episode you want me to go but uh just them together, they were kind of adorable. Like, it, it's nice to see two young people falling in love and, and that kind of thing. I agree that they are two absolutely adorable actors, and I think they have tremendous chemistry together. And it, it, it's really a shame that they split them up at the end. You know, spoiler alert, uh, but I mentioned it in the re recap. Um, you know, with Jesse going back to Earth 2. But I do feel that, like, even just last week, you know, while he was going on about, you know, how envious he was, and he was obviously envious of Barry having the powers, and it just seemed to me, it, it seemed a little convenient that he got over it so quickly in this episode. Did you guys not think that, or are we yeah. by their obvious chemistry? Well, the chemistry was nice, but I completely agree with you. I was like, wasn't he kind of like, uh, you know, kind of bummed about not having his powers last week? Like, that was kind of fast, and but I guess... You know, with her, uh, I don't know, because I was going to say with her there, like, maybe that sort of, like, took his mind away from it. But, like, he even told her, because she was like, oh, you know, I know you were sort of bummed about the powers. But then he was like, oh, but, you know, you were meant to have them. Like, obviously, I wasn't meant to have them, but you were meant to have them. And I'm, like, really happy for you. And I'm like, you weren't really like that last week. But this is The Flash, and uh, their emotions can change in a flash. So I was like, okay, you know, I, I'll go with this as long as like next week they don't make him like all mopey like oh i wish i had powers now that jesse's gone i wish i need to run fast or something like that 
Which they um, might, but we'll see. But speaking of our uh, adorable couples, Barry and Iris are canoodling on the couch when Joe walks in and Barry tries to use his speed to cover things up, which leads to a bit of friction with Iris, who wants their relationship to be out in the open, even in front of her dad. But Barry, of course, thinks these PDAs are awkward. So what do you guys think, just personally, are you uh, Team Barry or Team Iris on the whole, uh, you know, how they should behave in front of the parents? Jessica? Make out interrupt us. Exactly. Jess, what do you think? Are you Team um, Iris or Team Barry? Honestly, see, it's kind of difficult because, like, I can understand where it would be awkward, but also I can understand why they should just go for it. Like, it's not like he's tearing her clothes off on the couch. She's just going in for, like, a makeout. She's not going in for, like, the whole thing. It's fine. But, considering the way that they grew up, the way that the show has hammered home to us time and time again, that these two have grown up, yeah, I can see where the awkward part is. And I actually thought that it was really hilarious and well done. And, like, I had no trouble picturing this as, you know, an issue that they would actually face were this real life and not simply a show on the CW. Um, but also, just to, you know, quickly... Uh, get back to the Wally thing for like one second. I uh, I think that he is getting his powers because remember last week he said he like she told him that she started having dreams about it and he was like oh shit. And then this week when she sped him around he had no ill effects and he's like oh I must have a strong stomach. Or, but or, a pin in that hasn't Barry done the same thing with Iris and like Iris never got sick. That we've seen. Who knows? Maybe she ralphed all over his face. Or his that would have made for great kind of television. Ruined the end of last week's uh, romantic date if he just you know raced her up to Seattle or wherever it was and suddenly she was puking all over the place. Maybe he keeps barf bags in his pants pocket. No. Yes, Jess. Exactly. I would if I was a speedster. And food. Lots of food. Like in arm pouches. Uh, Jeff, what did you think about uh, the Barry and Iris situation? Uh, you know, it, it felt kind of natural, to be quite honest. Because these are two individuals who grew up together. It, like, he was taken into her family. So, her father is kind of like an adoptive father for him so i kind of understood like his mindset i understood joe's mindset like this is kind of a little weird even though if we recall but i guess everything kind of messes up because of flashpoint which is why now and in, in, in every sort of like um episode introduction they they make a reference like but i created flashpoint and it messed everything up so like, if we recall, like, I think it was last season, like, Joe was like, you know, go after her. You love her. I know you love her. You should be with her. And, and now he's kind of like, oh, I don't know if I should have said that, because it's kind of weird and creepy. But, it, like, because, like, even Barry was like, you know, he, like, he's your dad, he's our dad, but the, he didn't really want to say our dad, because then that would seem kind of creepy and weird. So, it, I don't know. It was completely understandable. I could see Iris's point of view as well. It's like, 
you know, we're a couple, we should be able to kiss, and you shouldn't need to be freaked out, and all this kind of stuff, and, uh, I loved their interplay, like, when she was leaving, because she was like, you need to talk to him, and he's like, it's gonna be awkward, and she's like, you need to talk to him, and tell me what it's gonna be like, and he's like, well, duh, it's gonna be awkward, uh, I liked it. it, it was cute, and, um, you could, you could see that this wasn't necessarily the writers, like, trying to separate them, because I feel like, in an earlier moment of this show, like, they would have made this into, like, this huge deal, and it would be all CWized, where it becomes very dramatic, and it takes many episodes, but it was, like, a grown type of uh, relationship drama that, uh, you know, th the cards were put out on the table, and it was very mature how they handled it. It wasn't CWized, in my opinion. Yes. Thank you, Jeff. That's exactly what I was trying to say, but you just said it like a hundred times better. Thank you. The other thing that I thought they played quite nicely was the fact that, you know, even though we sort of, you know, made the point that, you know, Barry, who was raised as his son, is, you know, uh, you know, macking on the couch uh, with his daughter, Joe didn't react that differently than he did when he saw Eddie. Uh, you know, I think it was just, you know, the natural reaction of a father seeing his daughter making out with anyone. I don't think there was any particular creepiness aspect to it because it was Barry. Because he has to realize that, you know, there, there may be a weirdness aspect, but at least Barry's a nice guy. So, well, True. I think, I, I think pretty well. I think the weirdness is because he's seeing his, his daughter making out with some guy, but he's also seeing someone who has been like a son making out with you know, a, a girl. So it's kind of almost like the double shock. Because, like, you know, here's my daughter and here's my adoptive son. And, and they're, not necessarily that they're both making out, but that they both, you know, you know, like, individualizing them and, like, uh-oh, you know, I caught, you know, so-and-so with someone. It, it's almost like the double effect because it, it's two people that he cares about. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Indeed. Okay, so, just yeah. And it says was also yes. kind of interesting that when uh, uh, Joe and Barry finally had their extremely awkward and hilarious heart-to-heart -heart later in the episode, you know, basically Joe was just falling back on, you do what you got to do, Barry, uh, you know, as his uh, as the only piece of advice he can give in that situation. Um, now, uh, one thing that was kind of interesting is that, as is often the case on Flash, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, we have two subplots mirroring, see what I did there? Mirror Master. Ooh. Call me the Mirror Master. Each other. You are. Now, but a Canadian case, mirror. It's not exactly, yeah. So it's it's you know uh, the same reflection, but uh, with a French Canadian accent. Um, Bonjour. So in this episode, what we had that I thought was interesting was that it wasn't there was no reflection in the main episode, but the romantic subplots because there were a couple of uh, romantic subplots and they mirrored each other because both Barry and Wally are essentially slamming on the brakes because they're getting scared. Did that ring true to you in terms of, you know, what we've seen about uh, Barry and what we've seen about Wally? Or, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the term that we just created, CWization, uh, is, is a flash in danger of going all arrow on us? Jess, what do you think? No. I should certainly hope not. You know, The Flash has its own space. It's a very different show. And I enjoy the fact that there are all these different vibes and you can kind of tune into each one and you know what you're in for. Uh, we've only met two vibes. One from Earth 2, one from Earth 1. Go on. <laughs> okay. You got me there. You got me there. 
And Jeff, what do you think about uh, the, uh, the the romantic subplots? Uh, did it feel true to the characters, do you think? Or uh, is it just they're, they're trying to get a little too complicated in romance? I thought both romantic subplots and sort of like the romantic angst fit the characters. I thought what... Uh, Barry was going through was understandable, especially after he sort of explained himself. Although he was trying to have like that serious uh, conversation while he was stuck in a mirror, which I loved that they went kind of met and they were like, "This is kind of weird, you know. Let's try to have this conversation when you're not in a mirror." Uh, and Iris is checking her butt and all that kind of stuff. I thought his was understandable completely, especially after everything he's gone through. And then Ollie, I mean, that was kind of understandable as well, because I think most people, just generally speaking, don't necessarily care for long-distance relationships. And that's usually when someone's like in one county versus another, or one province in another, or even one state into another. Like, this, these are Earths. So I, I kind of get where his mindset was. Like, you are going back to your earth i'm on my earth how are we going to make this happen so wally's was understandable barry's was as well i mean barry's world was like ripped from him and uh, he's always wanted like the you know like the perfect this the perfect that the family the love the relationship and everything's sort of like falling into place and he's questioning is this real is this going to hold uh Will I wake up tomorrow, and and will this still be here? So I thought it was appropriate for the characters. It was very adult. It wasn't uh, CWized. It was it was I thought a natural progression for both characters, especially for Wally, who we've seen little of. So they sort of gave him a common sort of like relationship hurdle which is long distance it was just because this is the flash and because we're dealing with multiple earths it was like taken to like the nth degree and it was nice that it wasn't you know wally saying well because you have powers and i don't i can't be with you it was because you're going to be on like another world so that that's kind of awkward so yeah i i agree i think uh you know both of them had reasons for wanting to pump the brakes and and both of them you know uh saw a reason to move beyond that later on but it turns out there was a third relationship mirror in this episode which was joe and the da cecil now i gotta admit when i watched the episode for the first time i thought to myself wait a second is this a character who was created because of Barry messing around with the time stream, but it turns out that no, she was around back in season one, but vanished for all of season two. It seems that she's a more prominent character in this reality, maybe because of, you know, Barry messing with the timeline, maybe not, but what do you guys think of the relationship between uh, the DA, Cecil, and Joe? Jeff, let's, let's start with you. I like them together. I remember her the first time, and there were, like, little sparks, but obviously Joe in season one was in a different situation than he is now, so I can see why that ended up not happening. As far as her disappearing, I mean, that just could have been, you know, just... But like, as far as, like, the writers and stuff, you know, just, uh, you know, they, they didn't necessarily need the character, but because of Flashpoint... As you mentioned, Professor X, now she could be a, a prominent uh, face that we might see uh, because uh, Flashpoint has made her a little bit more relevant. But I like that they did bring her back because Joe needs a little bit of love, to be quite honest. It, it would be nice for him to have a uh, romantic subplot and, you know, it would be nice for him to have some adult love on this show that uh, obviously focuses on the young people because this is the CW and the young people are our heroes but i think joni's a little something something too 
Jess, what are your thoughts on Joe and the DA? Leaving aside the rampant impropriety of, you know, a DA dating a cop, because that would just be, uh, you know, a nightmare in terms of legality. But just in terms oh, of the show, what do you think? so it's kind of sexy because technically maybe they shouldn't. Right. Yeah, this, they were doing this 25 years ago in Hill Street Blues, but still. I see. So it's I not see. as sexy. But Jess got a little excited for a moment. It's vintage. It's still sexy. It's yes. Fun. No, um, I really like it. I actually, well, nobody's going to be surprised, but I didn't remember her as a character. And so when she popped up, I was just like, all right, I, uh, I approve. This is awesome. Like, I I think Joe's gonna need Joe needs a little bit of love in his life. I think that he deserves that. And it's just gonna be really cute and really happy and really adorable. And if something ruins this for me or she dies, I will be very, very angry. Yeah, I can't explain why, but I feel kind of uneasy about her future I, I think she's going to be put in danger uh, but again if you're going to become a, a regular character on the show I suppose you're just going to end up in danger but let's leave all this romantic crap behind uh, and get back to the team so the Flash team realizes they need Harry but Harry wants to go home to Earth too ideally with Jesse and ideally without Wally because he's a dad so what do you guys think about Harry's initial plan to just find them another Harrison Wells uh, out among the infinite Earths in the multiverse Jess? My first thought was, holy Christ, no, I don't want another wheelchair-stealing douchebag. That was the first, I was like, they're going to reel in another bad guy. This is going to be terrible. I don't have the patience for this sort of fuckery. But but then you saw the mime and you realized, oh, it could be a million times worse. <laughs> exactly. I saw the mime and I was like, all right. You know, maybe it's it's not as bad as it potentially could be. And uh, I think that it was... I love the dynamic between Earth 2 Wells and Cisco because, like, they snap and they snarl at each other, but they kind of complete each other in a way. Well, there's obviously a lot of affection there. And, uh, and, and you know, I, I said last week that I think one of the reasons why the first two episodes were not as strong was the lack of Harrison Wells or Harry. Um, and I was skeptical about his idea of bringing in, you know, a Wells from another dimension. But then, of course, we got the scene that I like to call Wells, Wells, Wells. Jeff, do you think that scene served any purpose beyond giving Tom Cavanaugh a lot of fun stuff to do in this episode? Because it was a pretty, there's a lot of humor in this episode. And certainly we got a lot of it from Tom Cavanaugh playing uh, the variants of Wells in that scene. Do you think there might have been more to it than that? That's interesting. I, when I was initially watching the episode, I didn't think of that. But now, after like hearing both of you discussing the various Harrison Wells, like maybe, maybe we might end up seeing some of these other Wells in the future. Maybe, but I wouldn't be surprised by that because I feel like a lot of the times when they show us other worlds uh, they do that for a reason like they they bookmark that and uh, we'll end up seeing it again at some point in the future so maybe at some point we'll see some of those wells uh, in the future i hope that this one isn't evil uh we have to remember that the first harrison wells that we were introduced to jess it was not harrison wells it was eobard thon aka the reverse flash so i i don't blame Harrison Wells 
for being evil in season one. I do. Oh gosh, he was killed, Jazz. He was killed in a car accident, Jazz, and his body was taken over invasion of the body snatcher style by Eobard Thawne. So I I don't blame Harrison Wells, but it was obviously another iteration of Wells that Tom Cavanaugh, the actor, played. So he's played evil. He's played sort of like snarky douchebag with the heart of gold, and now we have. Uh, I don't know what to call him yet because we only saw him for a short scene, but he seems like very zen, um, dorky, uh, I don't want to say goofy, but like, like dorky, awkward, um, likes to make jokes, Wells, which that will be interesting to see in and of itself because this team now has already played around with two wells so now they have a third one and they each have distinct personalities which is nice i mean the first wells wasn't really wells it was eobard thon who is an evil villain playing well so of course that one was evil and then this one started off kind of douchey but then you know the team he warmed up to the team and the team warmed up to him and now we have hr like uh that's interesting his last name is puffin stuff apparently yeah, I thought of that, too, and I, I thought to myself, well, that's too obscure. No one's ever going to get that Well, right. Jess probably didn't, but um, I do, because I am knowledgeable. No, go. Um, so we're well into the episode here, and I barely mentioned the metas. Uh, honestly, they seemed almost incidental to the episode, and I wonder whether that's why it worked so well, because the episode was more about, you know, the Flash family and their character interactions and stuff like and that. And Barry said uh, that. There was no... Because Barry was like, okay, everyone's off doing their own thing. Like, I'll search for these metas because I have to. I, I loved that moment where it was like, well, I guess I'll just do the, everyone's job. So in terms of long-term story arc, there was no advance whatsoever on the Dr. Alchemy story. Which is uh, good. You get two new metas in this episode, uh, the top of Mirror Master. Uh, you guys mentioned uh, before, you know, sort of liking the the visual styling. What do you guys think about, first, the characters, and second, the way their powers were portrayed in this episode? Jess, let's start with you. I actually, I'm, I'm typically not the person to go to for special effects because you could probably put some shit on a random backdrop and I would be like, wow, that's so amazing. Cause like, I don't know, I'm just, I'm easy to please and not very critical. However, I really did enjoy the way that they were able to kind of bring out these villains and their different powers, especially the vertigo like for a second there i thought that i was getting sick i was like oh i'm fine i'm fine i had to take a second there but it was really cool i thought they did their job very well uh jeff what did you think well uh just to reference the the small point that you made i didn't mind that we didn't learn a lot more about dr alchemy i did like that he was sort of like in the background because uh joe shared the uh prison footage with the group so i was like that's perfect that's just enough i agree with you i my argument is that the episode was so strong because they weren't trying to you know deal with you know dr alchemy and establish a big bad and establish a character arc for the entire season no this was about the characters that we've come to know and love over three seasons and, and exactly I would argue that you know they should do more of this abandoning i completely the agree story arcs and and focus on the characters that we know exactly give us like little teases so that we know it's still there because there's some series that 
they sort of like abandon the main story arc for episodes at hand and uh, and then all of a sudden it returns to like oh okay that's what we're talking about this season so i like that it was there but it wasn't really there like they they showed a little bit and then they moved the story forward as far as the villains i mean they the betas were basically bonnie and clyde i, I think that's what the synopsis said uh, maybe or, or it was in one of the interviews that i read during the spoiler section and it was accurate i mean they're Bonnie and Clyde, basically, it's it's a couple that want to wreak havoc. His powers were kind of cool. I like the whole traveling through mirrors, and you can take people in and trap them in the mirrors and use the mirrors as as weapons and that and that kind of thing. I thought that was fascinating, and I thought the effects were kind of neat, and I like how they handled that particular metahuman. And then Top was interesting as well. I thought the visuals were kind of cool, like how she uh, gave everybody vertigo, and, and everyone's vertigo was kind of like a little different, and I, I thought, I don't know, I, I thought they were fine. I mean, they weren't exceptional, but they weren't supposed to be. I mean, they were truly like like no offense to the metas because usually they're like the a storyline but they were kind of like the d storyline in this episode and that wasn't a bad thing either it was kind of like like you mentioned professor x they were focusing on the characters and the characters storylines were in the forefront as opposed to how they've done it in the past where the meta is the forefront and all like the characters like emotional storylines were kind of like in the background it was nice to see the characters front front and center in the abc storyline and then like the metas were like the d storyline they were like oh, okay we'll handle them they got handled let's focus on us again and also i think their decision about the metas to basically make them just you know look we're just trying to seal some shit we're not trying to kill anyone we're not trying to take over the world we're not trying to destroy the universe we just want to steal some stuff and have some fun so i thought that yeah know, lowered the stakes somewhat which made them good choices at the metas i wouldn't mind seeing yeah. them again if you know we get sort of a, a flash rogues gallery type situation in the future but yeah i mean they were a, a bit uh, uh disposable but i thought for this episode they were you know a perfect choice for that and and i kind of like exactly the the visuals of it uh you know maybe could have done a little more with what it was like for the flash in the mirror world but i thought uh you know, the uh, the vertical effects from the top were quite good. I was just terrified when she was going to show uh, Mirror Master her powers. I thought she was going to spin around as she did it. Um, oh, my gosh. That, that would have been, been so amazing. But, Very uh, cheesy, but amazing. But but then they did have a little callback to that later on when Jesse defeats her and, you know, runs around her really fast and gets her spinning around to disorient her, which I oh. thought was kind of clever. I like that too, and this, what, this episode was a good excuse to use that Wentworth Miller uh, DCCW series regular status type of thing, even though he really wasn't in it for that much. Like, he was probably in it for no, like but five minutes. just make you miss him the more. Yeah. Like, the realization that, damn, if we could just have a little more Captain Cold in there. I agree. Uh, so, anyway, uh, Barry does get trapped in a mirror and finds himself stuck there. Um, Jesse obviously blames herself for Barry getting trapped. And now. Here, and again, it's kind of why I think it was good that they had, you know, that tender moment between her and Wally because she gets advice from uh, a person who I thought was an unusual source because it wasn't, you know, an adult. It wasn't her father. It wasn't Caitlin. It wasn't Cisco. It wasn't another meta like Barry or someone like that. It was Wally. Wally was basically playing the Iris role to Jesse. The, the person who doesn't have powers, but the person who understands you, who can, you know, cut through the problems that you're dealing with and explain to you that, you know, here's what you have to do. So I thought that was like a really special moment for Wally that I found, you know, uh, you know, particularly based on, you know, last episode where he was basically trying to kill himself to get powers. 
I thought it was a little unexpected, but I thought he played it well. Jess, what did you think about Wally uh, playing the uh, uh, the voice of reason with Jesse? I loved it. Honestly, like everything that has to do with those two, whether you know they're officially a couple or just being friends, is so well acted and and well thought out. And it's just a, it's a pleasure to see them on the screen together because they really. Sorry, you're talking about you're talking about Jelly, right? Well, yes, I am. I don't think she's ready I'm for talking- it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh no, let's not do that again. About... Oh my god. I'm talking about how fantastic they are together, you know, whether or not they are a couple or just friends or, you know, Jesse is upset and Wally has to, you know, kind of hang around and be like, hey, you want to talk? Like, it's fine if you don't, it's fine if you do, but I'm here. I'm here. Like, I thought that was so well done and so sweet and uh i'm really mad that cell phone plans probably don't carry to other earths because they are adorable I'm, and they need to have i'm sure cisco babies. could vibe up something i just jeffrey what did you think about the uh the interaction between wally and jesse when you know jesse was doubting herself and questioning whether she could be a hero once again and this is sort of like the theme in my answers that it was grown like it was a very adult conversation like you could tell that he wanted to be there for her and uh, he was a good sounding board for her to like sort of you know go over exactly what she's feeling what's on her mind as far as uh, her experiences and like what she should do like I-, I thought it was nice it was great that she had someone and I also like that uh, it wasn't someone that we're used to sort of like giving the advice to to someone else like it was it was different because it was wally and uh i don't know i I thought they were nice together they they work really well together the actors they have really great chemistry and uh it was very barry and iris uh sort of like 2.0 which uh, i thought was kind of cute and you know in a way it kind of uh casts a you know your memory back to last episode where uh, Joe was basically saying to Wally, you know, you can change the world with your mind. And in a way, he kind of did that here. It would be interesting if, you know, all the the kid flash stuff we've had was really just a flashpoint thing. And maybe Wally's not going to become a speedster at all this this series. But I don't believe that for a second. I just think it would be really interesting if they did take it uh, in that direction. And I also really love just at the end of that scene where basically Wally is saying, now go out and be a hero and, and you know, gives her her mask with that little flourish. Uh, just it felt so you know because it 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 you know, sort of you know punctured the the seriousness of it you know it was it was Wally being Wally uh, and yeah like like you guys were saying I just I love the, those two together and it's it's just sad that you know Jesse's going back to Earth too uh, because we're not going to get that interaction um, at least you know not for the foreseeable future. Now uh, in terms of other you know we I mentioned you know there was no big uh, arc stuff going on in terms of Doctor Alchemy or or things like that but. In terms of, you know, multi-episode arcs, we did get to see Caitlin's Killer Frost powers are getting stronger. Now, two questions. First, what did you think about the way they reintroduced the storyline? Um, so we had, you know, they, they, they're they trying to, you know, use cold to freeze a mirror and allow Barry to escape, which, of course, they can't do. So Caitlin has to step up and do that, which I thought was actually, you know, not bad, a little clumsily done. But then at the very end of the episode, we have the... Uh, uh, the sort of uh, bit at the end where, you know, Caitlin's powers are essentially getting out of control and she can't even take a shower without going Killer Frost. Do you think they were overdoing it at the end in order to establish her powers? Yes. 
it's pretty obvious Caitlin's going to be getting a lot of story time in the coming weeks. Yeah, I think they were, honestly. And I didn't know why she didn't just pick up a thing of hair dye instead of chopping her hair off. Because, like, that's not going to work for very long. And also, that would bother me. Like, I know it's a really small thing, but, like, if part of my hair turned white and I cut it off, it would bother me because I'd be like, it's uneven and I don't like it. And the simpler solution would have been, you know, just to use hair dye. She keeps cutting off strands of her hair. Someone is going to notice. The only reason I kind of gave that, yeah, you know, and I, I, yeah, I, I felt, you know, they'd established the point that her power's coming back and, and getting strong, or not necessarily coming back, but she's getting the powers and everything like that. I, I really felt the ending was almost like they're like waving, you know, shaking us by the shoulders and saying, did you get it? Did you get it? Um... I did have this brief moment where, like, in which, where uh, Caitlin was looking at herself in the mirror and, like, quickly grabbed the scissors and cut her hair. And I wondered to myself, is this the first time this has happened? Or mm-hmm. is this maybe something that has happened to her before? And that's why she reacted. She had the scissors right there. She reacted so quickly to cut the hair out. I wondered whether maybe this isn't the first time. But there was really nothing in the clip to suggest that. So maybe I'm just uh, uh, trying to give it uh, more. But I think we're all in agreement that obviously Killer Frost is going to become. A, a big element in the next few episodes. Yeah. Do you think that's going to be... Any guesses on how they're going to handle that? Good, bad? I hope she's good. I have a feeling that they will probably go that route because we've seen the bad Killer Frost and obviously she's scared to be... You know, that, that she could become the bad Killer Frost. So I hope they go the opposite route. Because I know a lot of people are like, really say, oh, Killer Frost, come on, Killer Frost, it's going to be great. And I agree, she probably will be great. But I don't want her to be a villain. Like, I want her to use her powers for good. Because I feel like she's going to be a great asset to the team. I mean, immediately once they talked about the mirror and the, the, the really, really, it's got to be freezing. And it's got to be sub this and sub that. I was like, okay, she's going to do it. She's going to break him free. It was very obvious that she did it, though. Because I'm like, oh, okay, she's walking behind. And she uses her power. And she walks away. I'm like, because I thought Iris was there. And I'm like, is Iris seeing this? But apparently she she was like the last person, person to leave the room right before um, Caitlyn did that so there was that and then at the end i feel like it was over dramatic that like all of a sudden her powers are going haywire i wish that we would have seen a little bit more of that besides like what we've seen thus far because i feel like it was like it went from like zero to a thousand uh, over the span of an episode and then when she cut her hair off i thought that was very dramatic and it was supposed to be very dramatic um then i thought when, as Professor X was saying, like, has she done that before? But then I'm like, if she keeps on doing this, she's going to be bald. So that might not be a good idea. Unless yeah. it's, like, the same strand that, like, all of a sudden regenerates into, like, you know, because it's icicle-ish or whatever. I'm like, this lady's going to be bald at some point. She needs to start buying some good wigs. She could make, but if her hair was regenerating, she could make a fortune selling Elsa wigs to children. She could, but we don't know if uh, if Frozen exists in, in this. Yeah, good point. We need to get like a, a Cisco Frozen pun or something like that. I, the only I, constant I really in the multiverse seems to be Big Belly Burgers. That seems to exist in all the realities we've seen, but we honestly don't know whether Frozen exists. Yeah, this, and we don't even uh, really know if Big Belly Burgers created. is good, but apparently everybody likes it. If Harrison Wells who seems, by all accounts, like a food snob, likes Belly Burger, then it's probably really good. Yeah, probably. But, yeah, I mean, it's interesting what they're going to do to her. 
I just hope that they, you know, she's a series regular, and I, I don't like when they turn, like, good guy series regulars into evil, so I hope she uses her powers for good. I hope that she realizes that this Killer Frost and, like, the other Earth obviously had uh, all these different, um, it was a different situation, different scenario, different support system. Here, she's got, she needs to open up to her friends, uh, you know, at some point soon, she's going to have to, like, let them know, and uh, she's going to have to be like, help me, you know, I don't want to become what we've seen uh, the other me become. I want to be good, help me be good, or help me control my powers or something. I don't know. She's going to need somebody to mentor her. She's probably going to want to come up with a better name than Killer Frost as well. Yes, like maybe, um, Frosty. Uh, Jess, what do you think about, uh, or maybe not. about, uh, Caitlin and, uh, and where do you think she's going to go? Honestly, I can't picture her. I can't picture Earth One Caitlin as you know transforming into killer frost unless something terrible happens and she's just like you know what it's not worth it being good does not pay i'm gonna be bad but i just i can't picture this caitlin as anything other than like a good guy who uses her unstoppable ice powers for the greater good and it's actually like if Okay, I'm biased though. Like, I'm gonna tell you right now. I, Daniel Panabaker, um, if you've ever seen that terribly wonderful movie, Sky High, she was, mm -hmm. yeah, she was um, basically like the lead female in it. And she was like this little ray of sunshine, super happy. She had like dominion over plant life and everything. And so, and the character's name was Layla. And so, even when she was like, you know, freezing the crap out of that mirror this time. I was like, hey, it's Layla, just with an enhanced set of powers. What's up? Like, I was so excited, but like for like the dumbest reason ever. And so purely for selfish reasons, because I feel like my childhood needs to come back in a very big way. I want her to be a good guy. I don't want her to be like, well, because Earth 2 Caitlyn was bad, then I have to be bad. Because sometimes they do that on shows, and it's just never quite convincing. And so I hope that they, you know, continue on with their, like you said earlier in this episode, like everybody seems to be handling things in a very adult and very non-CW way. So I hope that that continues on to, you know, Caitlyn and her personal quest for self-discovery. The other thing that may play into this is right at the end of the episode, uh, during Harry and Sisko's goodbye, we're reminded that Harry is really quite smart because he seems to have figured out Caitlin's secret, that she's developing the Killer Frost powers. And of course, Harry comes from a world in which Caitlin was Killer Frost, you know, an, an absolutely, uh, you know, murderous version of herself. Mm -hmm. He sort of hinted to Sisko that there might be something to look into, but he didn't come right out and say anything. And he, he certainly never said anything to Caitlin about it. Why do you think uh, Harry didn't spill the beans? Why do you say it in such a cryptic way? Jeff? Well, to be cryptic, because this is a television show, so that's why he didn't spill it out. But I also feel like, I, I think after getting to know Caitlin for the time that he's been there, like he knows that she's not going to go Killer Frosty Earth 2 in that kind of way. And... Uh, 
I think it was more so, I don't, I, you know what, I really don't know why he didn't just say it in a straightforward type of way. Um, but, I mean, it made for interesting television, because Cisco had the whole, like, hmm, you know, WTF type of face. So, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, really, I don't have a theory to as like to why. It those moments where they said, this is what's dramatically necessary for the episode rather than you know, yeah as if his goodbye wasn't dramatic yeah. enough because yeah, exactly. I, i'm curious to know what the hell he was gonna say um uh so just any thoughts on uh, uh harry uh you know not outing uh caitlin or or speaking to caitlin about that do you did anything strike that as odd about that to you not directly i i think i agree with jeff like i think he's hoping and praying Okay, maybe not praying. He seems much too scientific a man for that. But he's hoping that this Caitlyn is not Earth 2 Caitlyn. He's hoping that his snow is not, in fact, Killer Frost. But I kind of giggled a little bit because when um, the this season's Harry, I guess, whatever. Are we calling him HR? Like, is that what? HR. Yeah. H- HR. Okay, HR. Wasn't one of the first thing he asked her, he's like, hey, are you single or something like that? I can ship it. It's a I'm not sure if odd, he said, are I you single, it. or if Harry said she's single. I think Harry said I she's think single. I think Harry said she's single, but then sort of, you know, warned him off of it. as it, and, and, and then basically was like, and that's my daughter, but stay the hell away from her. Fair enough. So instead of dangling Jeff. He, he dangled Caitlyn out there. Well, you know, if it turns into something, I think that would be interesting to see. I do think that uh, Harry has a strange, not like a romantic sort of connection, but I, I think he's got some type of like mentor affection for Caitlyn. And I think that, you know, he doesn't want to persecute her if she's done nothing wrong like i think he understands that snow would be scared and and snow is probably coming to grips with these powers like she let barry out of that mirror if she was really evil wouldn't she have just frozen him solid and then taken a shotgun to him like that's what i would do if i was evil well that's good to know um him disturbing glimpse into jess's uh mindset there um so anyway uh we have making of a murderer exactly. season two the so we haven't been talking edition. much about the metas but i feel we should uh you know uh deal with them at least as uh perfunctorily as the show did so in classic superheroics, the heroes lose the first fight but win the rematch jesse gets to face off against the top in her rematch uh how'd you guys like how that fight played out jess it was good oh that's okay jeff why not? It was good. Uh, I mean, I wish that they would have explained it a little bit more. Except, you know, Jesse was just like, oh, you know, I, I figured you out or something like that. So I'm, I'm assuming that she must have, like, focused on something so that the vertigo wouldn't affect her. And, and that's how she was able to, like, not experience vertigo, maybe, I guess. Jess, what did you think of the Abuti? How Canadian. Uh, Jess, what did you think about that uh, conflict between uh, Jesse and the top? I liked it. I mean, I'm with Jeff. I wish that they had, you know, expanded on it a little bit more. But for what it is, I like what we got. I thought that this episode uh, in whole was extremely well written. And if, if this is the weakest part of the episode for me, which it was one of them, I have nothing to complain about. 
I was a little bothered by it because if you think back, like the beginning of the episode was uh, Barry saying to Jesse, you know, always go in with a plan in mind. And Jesse sort of ran in there and you could see that her eyes started glowing green, which means that she was being affected by Vertigo's power. Uh, and then she just ran away and came up behind her, which was, you know, better than nothing. Uh, but I, I did love the end of it where it was basically just Jesse, no super speed or anything like that, just punching her out. I thought that was a great ending uh, to the fight scene. And then by contrast, we have Barry going to this incredibly complicated uh, system involving a hologram and multiple mirrors and everything like that. Um, what do you think about that? Uh, you know, uh, Barry sort of taking the uh, the fancier way uh, of defeating the villain. Jeff, we'll start again with you. Well, that's usually what Barry does for the most part. So I, I got it. I liked it. I thought it was neat how they figured it out. But, I mean, this is a team of, like, really smart and super intelligent scientists and, and that kind of thing. So uh, I knew that they were they would figure something out. And the whole infinite mirrors thing was genius. So it was nice. I liked how they trapped the mirror master. And I thought the usage of the, um, the hologram of Snart was really smart, too. It was too. also kind of nice that Barry got to think his way out of this one. Because generally speaking, you know, it's, it's become a bit of a trope that, you know, Barry's just like, oh, I have to fight this foe by running slightly faster than I've ever run before. In this case, you know, while being forced to sit frozen in the mirror, he had the time to think about it and come up with a plan that would uh, defeat the Mirror Master, which I thought was, you know, uh, kind of a nice little thing, a reminder that, you know, part of what makes Barry uh, an effective hero when he's working well is the fact that he's, he's not just fast, he's smart. Uh, Jess, what did you think about uh, Barry and the Mirror Master's uh, showdown? Again, I, I, I liked it a lot. I don't think that there was a fight scene this episode that I had a problem with. I thought that it was exceedingly clever and well thought out. Like, I was like, wow, I wouldn't have thought to do that. I'm dumb. Good thing that Barry Allen isn't. My only real problem with it was that I was thinking that, so he slaps the uh, cuffs on Mirror Master. Yeah, and I was just thinking to myself, well, I'm Mirror Master. I'm probably just going to take those cuffs and smash them against a mirror. And suddenly I'm free. But uh, evidently Mirror Master didn't have that thought. So uh, just before we get to the end, uh, it looks like we got a new Harrison Wells, who we've agreed will be called HR for season three. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on the newbie? Should we trust him even though he wears a fedora and no. wears a vest with a t-shirt? No. Jeff, do you concur? I need another episode to figure out if I'm going to trust him. So far, he seems nice. I mean, um, you know, he seems very happy-go-lucky, zen, kumbaya, and like that kind of stuff. I hope that it's it's someone that we can trust. I hope he's just sort of, because of his uh, obviously like very different personality than um, at least Harry, that it'll make for some like interesting and like awkward and, and funny encounters with our current crop of uh, heroes and our team which i think will be interesting like seeing joe meet him for the first time will be interesting and seeing like the first time that he's gonna have to like work closely closely with uh, cisco or with caitlin will be interesting as well i hope he's a good guy like i, I hope so and i hope that he brings you know just a, a weird quirky dynamic to the team which it looks like he will because he seems he seems off in a good way yeah, I find myself wanting to like him, and, and partially that's, you know, my weakness for, you know, Tom Cavanaugh playing, even when Tom Cavanaugh was playing the original Harrison Wells slash Eobard Thawne, even after he killed a 
couple of people, I was thinking, well, you know what? I still kind of like him. So uh, there's obviously... But it could al- it could also be because we did send out a signal and you responded from Earth-19 and that's how we got you, well, Professor that is X. How we- oh, that's right. You guys don't remember any of that because I changed the timeline. Forget I said anything. Sorry. Um, okay, so, well, we were talking about should we trust uh, HR, uh, the H standing for hipster, presumably. Uh, the other thing, and I, I, you know, I probably shouldn't stress this too much, but in terms of, you know, hipster and fashion, two things. One, I mentioned, you know, the fedora and, you know, the vest. But did anyone else notice that, you know, when we were meeting, uh, you know, hipster uh, HR, he had a toothpick in his mouth the entire time? Oh, that's fascinating. Oh, I didn't yeah, catch that. Just, uh, I did notice his weird way to, like, yeah. handshake. And uh, and the other thing, I don't know if anyone wants to go back and watch this, uh, when uh, Mirror Master was, uh, you know, knocking the mirror three years ago, apparently he was not wearing socks when it happened because, uh, you know, I believe Mirror Master is our first sockless villain uh, in the entire history of the Rose Gallery. So that's something worth uh, looking into. It is. Uh, that'll be on Jeopardy. Okay, so uh, we were talking talking about should we trust uh, HR or not? If only there was someone who maybe has been looking into the future, who has been looking at spoilers, who can give us some hint about that. Hmm. There might be. But I think the timeline wiped him away, so I'll take over. So it's time to get a little spoilery. Let's dive into some spoilers for upcoming episodes of The Flash. This is an official spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Check out our official Facebook like page by visiting facebook.com slash the Central City Chronicle. Let's start off with ratings. The Flash uh, this week was viewed by 2.8 million total viewers with a 1.0 in the demo rating. And that was steady compared to last week. As far as upcoming episodes, we the only press release that we have is for the next episode. And uh, I read it last time, but just uh, to refresh everyone's mind, uh, the episode is episode 305, and it's titled Monster. And here's how it reads. Desperate to understand what is happening to her, Caitlin visits her mother, Dr. Tannhauser, a renowned biomedical researcher, in the hopes that her mother can provide some answers about Caitlin's growing metahuman powers. However, when Dr. Tannhauser treats her daughter like a test subject, Caitlin grows cold and brings up past wounds, causing the two to have a major blowout. Meanwhile, after a mysterious new metahuman attacks Central City, Barry tries to convince Julian to let him assist on the case. Now, as far as upcoming episode titles, episode 6 is still TBA, and initially we thought it might be because that would be the title for the four-way crossover, but that's not the case. So sometimes when shows don't release episode titles, it could be because the title is a little spoilery about what happens in the previous episode. So right as of right now, episode 6 is TBA, episode 7 is titled Killer Frost, and episode 8, which is the huge uh, four-series crossover event, is titled Invasion! Exclamation point, And that will air on November 29th. 2016. Now let's talk a little bit about this uh, four-series crossover event, and this is Scoop via EntertainmentWeekly.com. So here's how it reads. 
In the crossover, the heroes will team up to fight the Dominators, who in the comics were a technologically advanced alien race that wanted to invade Earth and eliminate the threat posed by unpredictable metahumans, and they have similar motivations during the crossover. Once the heroes realize that they're up against aliens, they decide that they need an alien on their side, Guggenheim says. Fortunately, Barry knows a really nice one. I don't think it's a big shock that between Barry and Cisco and all their experiences with Earth 2 and the multiverse that they can pluck her from Earth. Uh, CBS is what they what he called it in the quote. Mark Guggenheim also revealed that the crossover will actually kick off at the end of an episode of Supergirl where Cisco and Barry basically enlist Kara's help. Some people call it a four-way crossover because it involves four shows. My ulcer requires me to call it a three-part crossover, Guggenheim explains. The story that's been that's being told has a beginning, middle, and end. A beginning in The Flash, a middle in Arrow, and an end in Legends. But Supergirl is very much a part of the whole thing, so we are crossing over four shows, four shows in three parts. Now, I'll insert my analysis in this. What I'm going to assume is that at the end of Supergirl, probably in their end credits scene, we'll see Barry and uh, Cisco arriving, uh, you know, knocking on uh, Kara's door or something like that and being like, you know, come with us if you want to live or if we want to live, basically. So in addition to original cast members, Jamie Sheridan, Katie Cassidy, and Susanna Thompson returning, Guggenheim revealed that John Barrowman and Neil McDonough will both reprise their roles as Malcolm Earlham and Damian Dark, respectively, in the Arrow part of the episode. So they will maybe interact with uh, some of our heroes from The Flash, uh, Supergirl, and Legends, etc. So, it'll be interesting to see. For those that don't know, and if you're not following Arrow, you should, because it's actually really good this season. In the middle of the... uh, three-part, four-series crossover event will be the 100th episode of Arrow. bum ba da dum So yeah, so those are all the spoilery tidbits that I have for all of you during this podcast. So back to you, Professor X. I do sometimes think there must be people out there who don't watch all all of the shows. Uh, and if you look at the ratings, they're obviously really have more confused. people watching Flash than Legends. But if you were someone who was only watching Flash, you wouldn't realize what had happened with Captain Cold because all of that happened on Legends of Tomorrow. As far as you're concerned, Leonard Snart's still skulking around the underworld of Central City. Yes, which is why they had that little bit of exposition. And if you're not watching all the shows, you're going to be very confused at the end of November. Yeah, that would be a very confusing one. So anyway, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Central City Chronicle. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through iTunes. Just search for The Central City Chronicle and subscribe. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Central City Chronicle. Follow us on Tumblr, thecentralcitychronicle.tumblr.com. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting GoFundMe.com.
poppychularadio.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Thanks, announcer. Co-hosts, wish the listeners a good night. Good night, Central City. Good night, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Central City Chronicle every Thursday via iTunes and the Poppy Chulo Radio archives. New episodes stream via poppychuloradio.com every Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Good night. (laughs) 